You are listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Rowe. We want to oh. I jumped in and interrupted our Australian lady voiceover. She's not going to be happy. <laughs> hey, man, how are you? It's uh, good to see you. This is Pete Monfrey. We're into the B2B Marketing Mindset and... You know, if you pay attention to today's podcast, we're going to be sharing about, it's hard to narrow this down, but how to generate more referrals at the end of the day, but also how to leverage your professional network. We've got special guest Steve Harper, author, speaker, coach, business strategist, creator of The Ripple, uh, owns and runs multiple companies, is a master marketer, doesn't know it, hosts The Ripple Effect podcast, and I've known him for years taught me a lot of things too. Um, we've worked together and I'm really excited to have him here. So welcome, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So did I, so I, I saw a couple episodes, you know, did I get your description pretty close? <laughs> yeah. Serial entrepreneur that kind of, kind of covers it all, but yeah, that would have I mean, been that's, shorter. A, that's a, I, mean, I need you as my, uh, my hype man. I, I need that kind of introduction everywhere. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we record it. Uh, so yeah, it's, there it is. Um, Great. You'll be like, where'd the Australian lady go? I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> but I was watching your uh, podcast. And um, so t just could you want to just take a minute and just tell people about the podcast? Yeah. So uh, the Ripple Effect podcast with Steve Harper is uh, it became or has become a passion project for me. It was uh, started off as sort of a, a confidence builder. I'll be honest with you. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I was wanting to share some concepts and some ideas. And I thought, you know, one of the ways to get comfortable doing that is presenting on a continual ongoing basis. I'm a keynote speaker and done a lot of that stuff. But as you know, right, you know, those opportunities, they don't just happen every week. And so one of the ways to keep my chops, you know, you know, refined and, and, you know, stay focused on various topics was to do the podcast. So started off initially as just me and, I get bored with myself pretty easily. And I started uh, reaching out to people that I really thought had something to teach me and could be of interest to my Ripple audience. And so the whole concept is about, you know, helping people learn about some really amazing people that are, are doing interesting work out there. So I've had, you know, best-selling authors. I've had, you know, former uh, television anchors, recognizable anchors from the Today Show, uh, Robin Mead's uh, Morning Express, I've had, uh, you know, people that are, are instrumental in the education space, entrepreneurs, of course, uh, people doing amazing work. And what I like to tell my guests when they come on, it's like, you know, hey, look, I, I'm doing this under the pretense of this is a podcast, but I'm really here for my masterclass to learn from some amazing people. And much like you, I, I, I probably use every episode as, a, as an opportunity to get a little smarter and, and surround myself <laughs> with some great people. And I say that too, hey, you know, I... It's all about surrounding yourself with better people, you know, um, and it works. Uh, but it does. Uh, so I've been wanting to corner you on the podcast for a while. And, uh, you know, my firm, this firm, I mean, really, if you look at this firm, the name changed, but it really started in 1990. And coming from the Midwest to tech to Austin, like from Milwaukee to Austin, it's so culturally different, right? And you were one of the earliest people that I met here. Yeah. And you really had a different way. I mean, I built a company there, you know, in the millions of in fees, but I didn't network. I don't remember networking. It was 
I wish I could remember exactly how we did it. Um, but uh, networking definitely was not part of it. Um, these suits were, that was the another funny thing. I came here wearing a suit and everybody's like, what in the heck? Yeah. What is wrong with you? I think uh, I showed up in shorts and flip-flops to the first meeting and you were in a suit. I'm like, oh yeah, this oh, is great. I see, you know, and then I went too far. Then they're like, what are you, a bum? And then I don't know, now we're back to here. I don't know, I don't get it. But I think we've been lucky. The business is always run on referrals, right? And we've been kind of passive about it. I think up to about COVID. Um, and so I'm still learning, right? I mean, it's like- sure. And I'm watching your podcast and I'm reading a lot of things and um, we're not very good at asking for help. Uh, and so, but but you can be very deliberate about driving. And I, I would say referrals and word of mouth, same thing. Like you can really not just be passive and well, hopefully some referrals will come in. You can drive that. Am I catching sure. that drift? So, um, you know, I think I'm just not very personable like like you are. I think that's but so I'm excited to I mean, yeah, you, you are a dead fish anytime we've gotten together. I mean, it's just like, is this guy got a pulse? I mean it's terrible. Really? Uh <laughs> so hey, you know, so Steve's gonna share some secrets, right? And um these are secrets because I don't even know yet. Uh, but there's so many businesses that rely on referrals, but people generally don't know how to drive them and um the other thing is they do dumb stuff that kills their chances of getting a referral. And I think that's always kind of funny. And I have a story because I just was at a networking deal uh, two nights ago. Um, but hey, if you're out there in podcast land and you're just listening, you're missing the show because uh, subscribe on your favorite platform, but then head to b2bmarketingmindset.com. You'll find more content, but more importantly, video. Uh, so all of the, uh, and we also leave in all the swearing. Uh, there. So, and then eventually we're going to have free courses that we're just rolling out. So for marketers that want to climb that ladder. So b2bmarketingmindset.com. And so, um, <laughs> little thumbnails are so small. I can't even see them, Steve. Um, but let's start with the ripple effect. I mean, that's even that was in existence when I met you somewhere 12 years ago, 13, something like that. I don't remember. Um, but how did it originate? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. What well, is the, it and how did it originate? So the, the short version and this, this actually unfolded pretty, you know, not too, not too long after you moved to Austin. Right. You know, hmm. I, uh, I uh, sold a company and I had built my company purely on referral. Um, it was an organization where I was pretty committed um, to not have to go out and cold call, but to build true, authentic relationships with people who became my evergreen source of opportunity, right? And so that business got sold. I was kind of starting to dabble in consulting and wasn't even speaking yet, but I, I wrote a book called The Ripple Effect, Maximizing the Power of Relationships for Your Life and Business. Now in its third edition, updated post-COVID, uh, you know, and incorporates some new stories and uh, a lot more content. But it came about mainly because what I found was as a getting pulled into consulting, you know, some of my former clients came in and said, Steve, we love what you did for customer service. We love what you did in terms of how you led your organization. Customer service was sort of my, you know, my bailiwick. And uh, still is to this day, you know, I've, I've got a software company. I just got off a call with a 
prospective client for that. And I, I said, look, you know, my technology is what it is. The difference between us and a competitor is how we support it, right? Customer service is important. Every positive impact you can make for every opportunity is, is a social deposit in that relationship. And so when I was starting into consulting, I, I, I had a financial services firm and a law firm. And I asked them what their biggest problems were. And it, it came down to people. People don't know how to talk to one another. People didn't know how to uh, look for opportunities to serve and add value. And, you know, I started noodling on, well, how do we do that, right? You know, how do you, how do you create positive action to make a big impact on someone? Well, you got to look for it. You got to have good questions. You got to, first of all, be committed to making a difference. And you have to uh, create this as part of your culture. It's not a strategy. It's, it's part of the culture in terms of an organization. So I outlined this concept and then eventually it became this book. But it was really teaching people that, you know, connections matter relationships matter even more and how you go about conducting yourself out there in the world there's a ripple effect attached to it every conversation we have every decision we make every opportunity to uh, engage somebody new old build a relationship or even someone you know that you're you've been together with forever right your significant other your spouse and uh, there's an opportunity every single day for us to take and create a positive ripple or a negative ripple. And it's how we conduct ourselves out there in the world. And so that's how, that's how it initially came about. It became a consulting practice. It became a coaching uh, approach. I speak all over the, um, you do the country on the concept, but it's, it's a passion for me. It's not just a business. It's a, it's a passion for me uh, in terms of helping, whether you're the smallest organization or you're an individual looking to build your personal professional network, it is a passion for me to show you why connecting differently, especially in today's world, is so important. Well, it's hard, too. And, and you said a mouthful there. You talked about value. And there's a value exchange that happens. A lot of people, and this is why I wanted to cover this topic, because there's a lot of people that aren't even aware of this. And I hate to say, somebody, this is a few years ago, but they said, hey, when you first came here, man, you were like a, a hurricane of all about yourself. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, that hurts. That really kind of did hurt. And it was stuff that you taught me. Scott Ingram was also going to be on the program at some point. Peter Stropel. Uh, yeah. And I just said, hey, there's this crazy group of guys. They might be out of their minds, but they do stuff for other people first. They bring value first, and they don't expect anything. It's sort of altruistic. It's not a quid pro quo, like I might help Steve and he may never ever help me. That's right. absolutely how it works. And I'm like, what? You know, and then then they're like, You're wearing a suit, you know. And so I had to I had to change. But I, you know, I've I still find a lot of people don't understand that there's something called social capital. Sure. I don't want to make this sound clit, you know, clinician oriented here. Hang on a second. Can you take this call for me, Heidi? Can you take this call? Oh, things happen in live. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Important things happen. Uh, but this is the most important thing. Um, and, and so what's interesting to me is the idea of social capital. And, and you have to acknowledge that there's, there's a thing that you can engage in and you can do it well. And it can be altruistic. But uh, I think the ripple but, sums it up really well. Yeah, let, let, let me take you back to the first time we met. Um, uh -oh. I had a different experience with you. <laughs> I'm scared. 
I mean, aside from the suit, which was was a hell of a kick. I love. I was thinner it. and I, I had hair. I think also. It was September. It was like 190 degrees outside. <laughs> you're wearing a suit, but okay, whatever. The reality was, uh, you, you you were doing what everybody does, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? You were, hey, I'm new, I'm making uh, a name for myself here, or attempting to. And these are the services I offer, right? So the yeah. you're you're representing your brand in in a great way, right? And at the end of the day, the way that I changed our entire conversation was, well, Pete, tell me why you got passionate about what it is that you did, and you flipped off the marketing and Pete sales train and came back to the passion train. And yeah. how I finished us was, you know, that conversation and took it a different direction is what can I do? How can I help you? That's the question I encourage anybody out there that's trying to make any kind of inroads with anybody is get really familiar with that question. How can I help you? How can I because help you? Because at the end of the day, if you are committed to making a difference in someone's life, whether it's opening a door, you know, doing some commerce, creating some avenues for a professional engagement in some capacity, it really comes down to understanding who the other person is across the table or the Zoom and figuring that answer out. And I find a lot of times, especially when our first interaction was, it changes the dynamic. It's yeah. a, and, it, and yeah, it does come across as a little Pollyanna, comes a little across as a little altruistic. But if you find the right people out there in the world, and I'm a big believer, the right people show up in your path at exactly the time that they're supposed to, half of us are too consumed with our own BS to actually mm -hmm. recognize it in the moment. You... You know, had a had a had a, a job you were there to do and you wanted to communicate it. It was great and I listened to it and you were fantastic. And but at the end of the day, I also saw somebody here that's like, hey, look, I really want to be a part of this community. I want to figure out how to get ingrained, not because it's going to bring me more business, but because this is home now, right? I'm not a renter, yeah. I'm a purchaser. I'm here. <laughs> it was and home. with yeah, when you when you approached it, you know, when we had that conversation and we kind of shifted in our strategy. I learned about your background, your history. I learned about the passion for guitars. <laughs> All along, every single little morsel that I picked up became a potential connection point for us, in which I can take an evergreen approach to how our next five conversations go, because it's not just about, hey, Pete, the marketer. It's about Pete, the, yeah. you know, the blues guitarist. It's about Pete, the singer. It's about Pete, the devoted husband and father. It's about Pete, the guy that who came from the Midwest and is trying to figure out how and why not to wear a suit to a meeting in uh, <laughs> September of, uh, you know, in, in Texas. You know, you know I, these are avenues to pursue that just create new avenues for opportunity, right? I, I love people that still have their memories intact. That is always exciting for me. Uh, but also, you know, this it just made me realize that, um, and thank you for that story. Wow, that, that is amazing. It does bring back memories. And, um, and in fact, I... I probably hadn't yet decided. I took about ten years off the music business, so I never really did play in Austin. But I don't. I think when I met you, I was really still undecided. Tim yep. Hayden. Tim Hayden was an early guy. Terry Lacona was an early guy. I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, Amy Harden, probably yep. around the same time. Now, the Sandler philosophy is very much about bringing that value first to the other sure. person. And then when we, I remember we adopted. We probably stole this from you, but it was probably our first. Uh, event together probably around 2015 maybe something like that 
And if you recall, I had been hospitalized a whole bunch of times. And this yep. was sort of yep. my remind all my friends I'm alive. We had a packed house. We decided to do a show. But before it, we had Steve hand out, see if, I'm, if I remember this right, they were questions. Yeah, Ripple Connection Can you explain it? Cards. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Are they're, they're little groups and they explain that because this is really kind yeah, of genius. Well, it kind yeah, of forces so the... people to do the thing for the other person first. So it's networking for non-networking people, right? I created these events called the Eight Minute Ripple. You you participated in those. You oh, got to fun. see an experience. And the event themselves, and then I'll I'll come back to your event. Was we have rules? You can't. There's no elevator pitches, and you can't talk about what you do or right. where you went to school or anything that denotes status. And okay. at the end of the day, people freak over that, right? You know, the power <laughs> networkers, their heads just explode. Like, what do you mean? I. I I, 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 it's a networking event. I've got to, you know, I got to tell people what I do. I got to collect business cards. I got to hand this card out. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, Hey, there's guarantee. There's like seven of them going on right now. Go there. This is about connection. This is about <laughs> human to human connection, heart to heart, belly yeah. to belly connection. And what we do is we use these question cards. Um, we've now, you know, sell them on our website. People buy them. They love them. They use them as an opportunity to say, look, let's do networking different. But we, we basically start with, you know, not doing what we all do in a networking event, which is, so Pete, what do you do? Tell me about what you do, right? Because I'm right. trying to figure out whether you're a victim for my services, right? You know, that at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm evaluating you as a potential prospect. When you actually create a different avenue and opportunity for people to have a conversation, something magical happens. In the first eight minute ripple that we did, I knew I had something because at the end of the day, what happened was we would put people in ponds, we group them together, and everybody would get an opportunity to meet everybody in their pond, right? And I promise I'll come back to your your event here in a second no, why listening. it extended. But we did this event and I there was a high-tech, you know, uh, entrepreneur, startup entrepreneur. He looked like he hadn't slept or bathed probably in about two weeks. <laughs> but he shows up at this event because somebody told him about it. There's an executive type dressed much like Pete first time, <laughs> like suit, tie, the whole nine yards, sharp. And they're in the same pond together. And every time we made a switch, they avoided one another. But eventually they had to come together. Right. And because... they got a question card that said, what is something you're passionate about that most people will be surprised to learn about? I was just and gonna mention we... you switch. I think that's an important Correct. thing that yeah. So you you have the so it's eight minutes, but really you're switching between groups. switching and you're meeting yeah. a lot of different people, but you're always it's using wild. a different set of questions. And yep. you know, I've modified the event a fair amount since then, but really at that point it was so much they fun. used the question and they drew one and they get this one. And and you saw the you know, the the status between the two, right? You know, one's looking down on the other, the other one's looking at, you know, I'm not not keen about talking to this guy but they get the question and the question is that they're both passionate about scuba diving. And I watched this relationship transform before my eyes. They started talking about gear, great trips, what's coming up, where are the best places to go, how they got their certification, all this stuff. Eight minutes, eight minutes goes by and I actually have to go in between them, right? We were wrapping up the event. I said, I got to ask you a question because I think what I just saw was magic. Would you guys have talked at any other networking event? You know, the, uh, the executive type, a little more um, politically correct, said, well, I don't think this guy would have been my cup of tea. I probably wouldn't have picked him out of a crowd to talk to, so probably not. High-tech entrepreneur looks at him. He's like, hell no, I wouldn't have talked to him. He's a suit. Look at this guy. Ah. <laughs> but I'm like, so what was it that changed? It was the question, right? It was a different environment and a different approach. And these guys, I wish I had stayed in contact with them, but they ended up in California working on a startup together. 
Wow. That I have those things happen all the time. Post Katrina, man, we had people that stepped up for people that were displaced that came to our events. We have people that have uh, found new business ventures and partnerships and created companies or gone off and started nonprofits all because the question enabled two complete strangers to have a conversation, get acquainted and build from there. So coming back to your event, right? We did kind of the same thing. It was actually at the Google Fiber office, if you recall, that was the mm. first one we did. And like most networking events, no offense, but networking events, everybody just shows up. And if you show up and you see some people, you know, everybody gets clickish. The people that don't know anybody, they're just kind of milling about. You got people that are looking for the booze. People are looking for the food, but there's a sense of insecurity across everybody. And the reality is people yes. come to those events because they want to know other people, but they don't know how to start. So when we, we watched everybody do their thing, right? Network like everybody else does. Then you put me on stage and we, we conducted the ripple and you saw complete transformation of people, right? The power, you know, networkers, they didn't quite get it, but they played along the people that hate networking, myself included, fall into a cadence where all of a sudden, now this isn't so scary. It's not so difficult. And some great relationships come from it. One in particular, who I am still friends with to this day, was somebody I met at your first event. No kidding. So that's the power of what this does. When you do things differently, when you go to an event and you just say, so Pete, what do you do? You are like everybody else, right? You are part of the herd and nobody wants to be a part of the herd. When you come with an interesting, creative question and you say, hey, look, let's not do the typical networking thing. We'll get there. We'll figure out what each other does. Let's learn about each other. Let's actually create some humanity between us. Um, magic happens. I mean, I'm sitting in an office right now because of a conversation that happened just like that, which led me to a company that I bought and boom, you just never know where it goes. So wow. anyway, that's great. Um, you know, uh, that, uh, that they drank 12 cases of hard liquor that night. We were supposed to have, this was our second show, right? And we, we, it was, this was so <laughs> experimental back then. Right. And now we've done so many of these events, but that one I hate to so tell you, Pete. We actually took it out the back, and then we sold it in the. Office. Is that what happened? No, I was look. I was watching it. Well, they're supposed kidding. to use tickets, but Tim D'Angelo uh, from uh, Oh Tim, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the company, but they set up a whole bar and they brought in everything, and we we had alcohol sponsors and all this was going on. But they're supposed to present tickets. That just went out the window. Now I'm performing, so this is all out of my purview. But I sure noticed everybody getting super wasted on a Monday night. But it did I left change. well before that. Just to, it changed the know. whole room. And we had Ray Charles as a ranger there, uh, Dr. Polk, and, and we gave him a very expensive bottle of scotch. But it was a great success. But there was this like poseur. There, it was such a high society thing. It was also that was probably the height of the cost of the thing. But and it was a beautiful space. There was everything like that going for it. But you saw it. As they started doing the thing, it changed. And then it just became this like full-on dancing crazy party. And it was like, wow, that's pretty incredible. So, but yeah. Well, Ripple you know what? One of the people Central that was there that night, right? Was somebody that was actually, I mean, obviously it was Google Space, right? But one of their people came up and talked to me after I got off stage and everybody was doing their Ripple thing. And she was like, this is like the most amazing thing possible. And it's like, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, this is not new. And some people out there might be like, well, that sounds like speed dating or blah, blah, blah. You have different modifications different. of it that people have tried to copy over the years. 
the reality is you can't copy magic, right? And that's what the genesis of the ripple is. You could have questions, you can tell people what to do, but until you actually give them permission to do things differently and to actually want to get out from their role, their responsibility, their elevator pitch, networking is always gonna be the same BS that it has always been. The problem is we see people that have done it you, uh, you know, generation after generation, and we just keep making bad networkers. You went to an event recently. I know we <laughs> talked about offline. See it. I go to these things. I hate it. My best connections don't come from networking events. My best connections come from finding other ways where people are hanging out, doing things, starting conversations, but leveraging the power of a ripple connection question to get somebody to open up. And so taking it all the way back to how you and I connected, right? That first meeting that was a mini ripple. It was learning about Pete Monfrey. It was discovering what was important to him, seeing if there were any ways that I could actually help you. And at the end of the day, not just being one of these, you know, pompous windbags that wants to say how great my business is and what I do and how I do it, but actually just listening. Right. It's the secret to your audience, right? Is I'm shy and introvert, right? I created this event, my eight minute ripple specifically for people like me. I thought it was a really small market, but it turned out it's a much larger market because even in COVID proved this, right? Even extroverted people suck at connecting with people, right? They think they're so I'm much better example. than they are, but they yeah. really never take it into account. Hey, how do people really think of me? How do people respond to me? Do people, Would somebody step up if I really had a need and do something to you know, take action to solve a problem or help me, job search or otherwise? This all comes back to how we treat people, how we connect and engage, and really how we put other people first before our own personal and professional needs. No, absolutely. Um, and, you know, let's jump into some of these topics because I think we're going to elaborate on, on almost all of that. Um, but, you know, that, that encounter did change me as well. So, um, and I went on to change, and really we used to make this little speech about do ask not what your network can do for you but what can you do for your network and then we would tell people it's your goal here is to find one person and literally help them and by the way that's tim angelio with sourced craft cocktails remember tim so a great company uh if you need a, a full bar and they take care of everything it's amazing we're not affiliated with them we just we just love tim um, and they do pay and attention you can't take cases out the back door we tried did, is that it? Did they stop just, you? And they're like, screw the totally tickets. Totally kidding. They're like, throw yeah. those tickets out. But so, yeah. but I, let's start, let's back up a little bit. Sure. Because I have a, a young son who's just kind of breaking into the business world a little bit. And why build a professional network besides the obvious? There's this thing that people say, people do business with people they like. I can't disagree with it, but I modified a little bit. People do business with people they respect. And if they like you, that's just a bonus. But why build a professional network in the first place? Well, so so I have a different take on that, right? Believe um, it or not, you can't respect me until you actually like me. Yeah. You know? oh, okay. So at the end of the day, you have to establish that baseline. And I think at the end of the day, uh, why people need to build a professional network is you're going to need it at some point. Um, all you got to do is look at uh, the headlines today and see how many tech companies are laying people off. That has a ripple effect, some pun intended. Uh, downstream to all the different vendors and partners to these organizations. Layoffs are happening all over the place. And even though you don't want to tout, you know, low, low unemployment, the reality is there are a lot of people that are really struggling, right? Either to grow their business, build their business, or they need, uh, they need help. And your 
likely to need <clears throat> to rely on your network uh, at some point in your professional career. So why not do it right, right? At the end of the day, the way I look at it is I want to have as diverse a network as I can possibly have, which means I have people that are in their teens all the way up to I am actively uh, networking with someone that's in their 90s. These uh -huh. are all wide variety of people that come with different age, different experience, different views and perspectives. And what I try and do is I try and create relationships with these people, not connections. Here's the thing. Everybody's watching this on LinkedIn or might catch the replay somewhere else or hear the podcast. You know, we all think, you know, the value of our network is how many people we have on LinkedIn or how many friends we got on Facebook or, you know, Twitter or X or whatever the hell we call it today. You know, the reality is how many people actually return your call when you make a call to them, right? How many yeah. people respond back to you? Your professional network comes down to the people that will actually take action if you need it. And the only way they will do that is by showing you will take action first. And so professional networks are the most important thing that you can do in any aspect of your career. It's the number one asset that you can own that nobody else can. It's yep. the one thing that's portable that you can take anywhere from one organization to the other. And it's yours. And it's only as good as the time, energy, and focus that you put into building it, yes. preserving it, and Thank continuing you. to grow and strengthen it. It's a deliberate thing. It's not. It doesn't just happen around you. And the, another good part of it is you control it. You have control. You the one thing in your life you have control over is the folks you hang out with. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of hoo-ha among the younger set these days about how job applications and how you apply for jobs. Now, uh, full disclosure, I've never had a job. I have not really applied for a job except when I was in college and I don't think working at the mall camera store counts. Uh, sure it does. It was a job. lived gig. Um, but uh, in my whole adult life, I've been self-employed. So I do, but I do look at resumes and I do hiring. And so, you know, I feel bad for those young people that think that's the way that you find a job. The reason that I think one of the reasons the network is so in my life, it lives large because they're my sounding board. They're my sanity check. They're my trusted people. They're my mentors. It's all altruistic people doing altruistic things. I try to put in as much as I can. Um, and it just takes, it does take energy. But the other part is that's how you get a job, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's who, you know, I mean, you know, when you talk about you the know. younger set, right. The, the, the thing that I'm doing right now is that we're about to create a series called rippling with young professionals. There's, they have a lot of questions. You know, the reality is you and I, when we came out of school or got that first job, nobody actually took us by the hand and said, all right, kid, let me show you how to, you know, to get along with the other kids in the sandbox or how to build people that would be there to support you and show you where the sandbox is. The reality is that we are not preparing, especially this younger generation who basically has grown up with a device in their hand and thinks that networking is through scrolling, right? They have to get better at figuring out how to connect and engage. And so the approach that I yeah. look at this with this series is you got questions, you know, maybe I have the answers, maybe I don't, but I can find people that do my intent in this whole idea got inspired by a young man that came up to me after I spoke at a conference in Omaha, Nebraska last fall. And he said that he recognized that he had a really poor network and he didn't know how to build it. He wasn't really good at building relationships in high school. He's almost through college and realized that, you know, everything he tried, he just wasn't, 
you know, having any success with. And I said, well, why don't we get together? Why don't we have a conversation about that? Let me give you some ideas. And man, one hour coaching session with him all of a sudden was completely changed. Not only how he was going about doing things with some project teams he was working on for his uh, classwork, but also the internship that he was currently working at and even the sports team he was coaching, volunteer coaching for. All because it was just a tweak and an adjustment to say, here's a strategy, here's an idea or two that you can apply. Now go try it. Now come back to me and give me some feedback and we'll tweak from there. The reality is these things, these young people don't know and they, they might rely on TikTok or they might rely on some YouTube videos out there, but they really need more they need an environment where they can ask more questions or they can ask the follow-up or they can come back and go, Hey, Steve, you know, you told me that strategy and I tried it and it didn't work. You know, what, what I do wrong or why didn't it work? And we can say, well, okay, let's look at it. Let's talk through that. Let's see what's going on. I had somebody who recently, a young person that they thought they had done really well through uh, the interview process, made it all the way to the final round, was told that they were one of the last two candidates to be considered and they didn't get the job. She had followed all the right advice, the guidance that I'd given her along the way. She felt like she made great inroads and she had established some good rapport with everybody that had interviewed her along the way, but then the recruiter wouldn't give her any feedback. So I said, well, pick up the phone and call and talk to the main decision maker and say, look, I'm curious, what can I do better next time? What was it about my interview versus the person you selected that, you know, that made you go the direction you go? I wanna know. Believe it or not, that company hired her for something completely unrelated to what she was interviewing for because she had the gumption to do that. Hmm. And that comes from building confidence, establishing rapport. She had business cards from each of the interviews. She knew these people and it opened the door. Recruiter comes back full circle like, wait, what are you doing calling my client? Well, you didn't return my call. You didn't give me anything to go on. There was no feedback. These young people have to take the initiative and a lot of them don't even know that that's a possibility. But also I'd, I'd say right. probably people our age, I mean, you're young, I'm old, but people in our general age are still doing the same thing. They're still waiting for things to happen instead of trying to make them happen. And part of that comes down to how you connect, how you engage and how you conduct yourself out there in the wild. Well, and you know, my son is who produces this program, um, is part of that generation but i think COVID really affected them in the way where they they're having trouble with reaching out to people being around people now he he does cave rescue he does a bunch of cool things and he's out with people but hope he hears this and i know he'll hear it like about seven seconds from now um <laughs> and maybe give that give that workshop a, a shot but you know you're, let's just put it this way the man the network is everything we're going to run a little long today too folks which i think is going to be worth it so hang with us uh but because we've got some more ground to cover and and Steve's going to enlighten us. Um, but I just don't think there's the world runs off of connections and at least the world down south. I think now the Midwest is caught up. It just runs on. And it's not this crass idea of, well, it's all about who, you know. Well, listen, you need to know what you're talking about also. And you need True. to be bringing that value first, because here's what the problem is with the what Scott and Ingram calls the nasty networkers. I think I have an episode called Vomitus from the Mouth. Um, <laughs> but I, I got one of those at this networking event the other night. Um, and it was just all about him. But we remind people that no one cares about you. This is a harsh reality. I think we did a video on this too. Nobody cares about you. Here's what they care about. 
themselves, right? Their problems, their issues, what's going on with them. Make your encounters all about the other person and then really deliberately try to find a way help that person not necessarily sell them something maybe it's a shoulder to cry on man maybe it's an introduction right maybe it's who knows let it flow um but uh so that's why you, you know what we all it. need though i mean not to interrupt you but really at the end of the day it's even more simpler than that let me just tell you exactly what it is tell me what it is, it is you recognizing and saying i see the other person right at the end of the day it's like the, the verbal diarrhea is what i call it right people they've come into networking events they got their shtick they're shoving business cards in people's hands and face all the time they've not been taught how to connect with another human looking a person in the eye giving them a smile offering a name only not hey i work for so and so and i got my badge and i got all this forget that crap right at the end of the day it's about recognizing another human and just being in the same space that they are, right? Networking events are always a challenge because at the end of the day, it's like you're a minnow and there's tons of sharks and <laughs> it's not a comfortable environment or situation. So if that's the case, flip the script on the power networkers and say, don't tell me about your business. Don't give me your elevator pitch. Tell me what inspired you to do something, right? You know, whatever it is, what, you know, what, how we live in Austin, right? None of us grew up here. It seems like all the Austinites have left. So it's like, how long have you been in Austin? What motivated you to move here? What has surprised you about living here? It will take your conversation a completely different direction. And you, people always tell me like, well, you know, I'm there to business, you know, do business networking. I got to figure out their company. I got to get their business card. You'll get there. But would you like to be there where everybody else is and that you're just a faceless person they gave a card to and they're not going to remember you from Tom, you know, Tom or Jerry that they met at the event? Or do you want to be that person that stood out? And then when I do follow up or I do call them in two days and say, I'd love to continue the conversation. I enjoyed visiting with you. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's get together for lunch. I'm not there and interested in pitching you. If that business comes up, great. But however, you said something that I made a note of, or I really thought you know more about when I left. And I'd really love to dive in deeper and explore that. People respond so positively to that because it's so rare. Because you're saying, Pete, I see you. I see you as another human being. Forget the job title. Forget the role. I see you, Steve Harper, standing in front of me. And you're as bored or disappointed or frustrated at this event as I am. We at least had one good conversation. And that one conversation turns out to be worth its weight in gold if you work it right. Absolutely. Well, you know, that guy with Tom and Harry, you're trying to think of his name. It's Richard. It's Tom, Richard, and Harry. Just saying. Uh, but hey, listen. Nickname. You know, yeah, okay. <laughs> you meet all kinds of people at these things, right? And I meet a lot of people all the time. Not at th just things, but I meet them on LinkedIn and we have these Zoom conferences. There's there's a lot of flakes, but um, but there's a lot of good people too. And, and, the, and the flakes are generally in the creative field. And so... Um, let me do a little, a little commercial real quick. You for said us. that I'm making sure you, they know you said that. I That's I am saying it and I'm <laughs> firm in it. Uh, but let me uh, acknowledge our, our, the sponsor, the, the, the company and the person that makes this program what it is and makes it great. And that's uh, Heidi at Heidi Designs and her team. That's how we look good. It's all well, the promotion you see. It's all of the marketing communications and the marketing operations of this program and many other clients, large and small. But the thing that makes them different is a lot of firms like this, right? Your, your mic's still on. There's a lot of firms like this. 
Yep. What makes her different is this. It's maturity. It's, it's, it's professionalism. It's like when you're done with the freelancers and the fivers and the upworkers and your nephew and that guy in Bangladesh using Canva for 32 cents an hour. When you've had enough of those guys... You need a little more professional work. You need more more consistency, uh, more reliability, professional place. Freelance prices, Steve, professional work uh, and uh, standards. So uh, Heidi Designs, Heidi-Designs.com. Check them out. We appreciate all of her work to make the program great. So listen, I want to talk about- Wait, before people... you go on, let all me right. just say something about Heidi. The one thing that you're buying is not her awesome skills in, in you know design capabilities. It's the fact she actually listens to whatever your problem is and she figures out how to solve it. And she's awesome at that. She's an And that's a skill set that you don't get from those outsourced partners like you just mentioned, right? They're there just to do the job. Tell me what you want to do, how to stay within the lines. And she is great at figuring out how to stay within the lines, but also color outside of it to help you deliver the bigger vision than you even thought possible. So that's my plug. Well, thank for you. I, you know, I've seen this happen. It's like people often think they really don't know what they want. You know, a good graphic, you know, she's a creative director is knows how to pull that out of you that maybe you don't even know it yet, Absolutely. but the, it's the questions, it's the empathy, it's figuring it out, it's connecting, it's taking your kind of mixed up vision and creating a very concrete organized system of communication, but we can go all day on that. Uh, but I want to talk about what do people get wrong because I was just subjected to it. And I'll just share it really quick. Met a guy, nice guy, gave me his card, normal networking interaction. Very next day, I get a call from him, selling timeshares. He talked for like 20 minutes. I, I couldn't get a word in. So I was like answering emails during the call. It was like this onslaught of me, 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 me. <laughs> wow. So that's not how you do it. What do, what are other things people get wrong? What should uh, he have done? He should have he should have he should have asked me some questions about my uh I don't know, my fender lunchbox. Well, I mean, provide your carrying a Fender lunchbox. I mean, that, that would be a good thing. I mean, <laughs> I if you're at a networking it. event and you're carrying a Fender lunchbox, that could be your network conversation starter right there. But... Got a little sandwich in there, the thermos, you know? Yeah. I yeah. Um, you know, there's so many things that people do wrong, right? They, you, you talk about me, 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 or how many times, catch yourself how many times you say I, right? Um, Zoom does this great thing now where it will record your calls, right? Your Zoom meetings. And go back and evaluate and analyze your percentage of talking versus somebody else's. And you'll learn, you know, when you suck at Zoom, you probably suck out there in the wild networking, right? That's number one. <laughs> um, the other thing that people do is I just met you and you're you're already, before I even get to my car, sending me a LinkedIn invitation. Now, very, people will disagree with me on this, right? A lot of times, I believe that you're, you know, and I said it earlier, your most important asset is your network. And I only invite people or welcome people into my network after I got to know them. I can vouch for them. Uh, I've done a crime for them. No, I'm, or you know, it, I, I, <laughs> can, bury the body. I can honestly do something significant to say, look, I can, I can vouch for this person. The problem that people do is they immediately fire off a LinkedIn invitation. Great to meet you. Can't wait to connect. And all you're doing when you welcome those people into your network is you're welcoming the, the network vampires. 
because they don't know how to build relationships. They don't know how to establish the value like you talked about. They don't know how to have a real conversation. They're real good at collecting business cards. They're really good at sending business or sharing business cards. And they're really good at going in, looking your profile up on LinkedIn. What I want to know is that you spent some time getting to know who I was. You had interest in what I do. You have a baseline of understanding of what is maybe important to me and maybe some approaches to, you know, to come in and try to connect with me on a human level first before you try and pitch me on your business. So I see that as a major one that people screw up in all the time. The other aspect is, is they try and close on the first date, right? At the nah. end of the day, you're not scoring a home run uh, at your first at bat with anybody, right? You could have the greatest product. You could have the greatest service. Like you said earlier, we don't care. You have to figure out how to get us to care. And we only get there by establishing some rapport, building some premise of connection. And I have a very simple model. A connection is a connection, acquaintance, connection, connection becomes a trusted connection. A trusted connection becomes a relationship and eventually becomes a trusted relationship. It's not hard. It's not complicated. What is hard and complicated is the time and energy and effort you've got to place in doing it. And it doesn't happen at the event. It doesn't happen even on that first lunch. If you get them to agree to have it, it's about showing up, being an authentic version of yourself, finding ways to ask the question, what can I do to help you? How can I help you? The business comes from the better relationships or established connections and relationships that you do when you put the time and energy into it. They never come from that, that first or second at bat. It just doesn't. And if it does, I'll, I'll dare you to say, or I'll challenge you to think, how much of it is transactional versus relational? Meaning somebody comes in with a better insurance policy next month at, you know, next year at renewal or has a, a lower commission on the real estate. Are they gone in half a second? The answer is yeah. Why? Because they don't have no, any real relationship with you. No relationship. And you know what I love about this podcast is you can tune into B2B marketing mindset and get dating advice mixed with baseball metaphors and also business advice all in one. Uh, hey. And so, but people just, I, I think I was watching your podcast and you said, man, you know, I make, make these introductions to people. Big thing happens with them with that introduction. They never thanked me. They never even bothered to let me know what, you don't even require them thanking you, honestly. It's like, you just it thought it'd be nice if you lay, let you know what happened. On the referral, yeah. I mean, it, really, at the end of the day, you have a responsibility. If somebody opens a door for you, like makes a connection, they are they are using social capital to do that, right? That is a critical you know, gesture on their part. You damn well owe them a response on how it went, how the meeting or the initial call went, what the next action item is. If it turns out that they end up doing some commerce, yeah, maybe do something nice for them. Give them a gift card, uh, you know, at least a thank you note. Nobody does that these days. And it, it drives me nuts because really, if I see a referral that I make for somebody that really pays off and they're real appreciative of it and it benefits them, one, I've created a ripple, a positive ripple. I see the impact. Well, guess what? I want to do it again. I want to do it again and again, right? Because they respond correctly. But when I have to like reach out to them and go, hey, Pete, you know, sent that, you know, that person to you and you guys were going to get together. I never heard back. Oh yeah. You know that we signed them up like last month. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. I'm not looking for money. Right. I'm just like, okay, could, could you have at least covered off? Because really at the end of the day, when you think about it, you're creating a three-legged stool with every referral. 
you're the that you know the one leg that is creating the opportunity between the two legs but if you work it correctly then everybody benefits in some capacity because at the end of the day if i connect pete to mary and mary really loves pete mary's gonna love me because i made the connection to pete right and so right. it's not my responsibility to go back and go hey mary did pete ever follow up with you that that just it just defeats the entire purpose it's really i mean i'm not picking on you pete i'm just saying you know <laughs> i didn't do it heretical person named pete or Joe or Jane or whatever, but whoever you sent the referral to, to say, Hey, follow up or talk or make this introduction, you really deserve to get some sort of response back. And so, yeah, it's, it's a major uh, sticks in my craw in a major way because I think people are so poor at the follow-up. Yeah. So there's, 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 you know, I get a hold of Steve, you know, talk, I just want, I want to get that message out there because it makes my life easier. I will often, I will offer someone that I've just met something to do a favor for them that I have, I have no reason to do it. And they're so cynical. They don't trust me. They think I'm trying to sneak in a little, I'm, act, I'm putting an act on because I'm going to slam them with a sales pitch. Now, people that know me, you know, like, you know, it doesn't, I don't do sales pitches. What is that all about? I, I legitimately like meeting interesting people and I try to figure out a way to bring value first, which is our little point. We're getting to the one more point after this. We're going to show you how to give and receive referrals. There's a way to do it. And it makes this a lot easier if you just understand how to do it. Um, we've been sharing that kind of all along. But this idea of a value exchange, I don't think people understand it. Anytime a human being meets another human being, there's some sort of value exchange. If it's a mugger, it could be negative. You might get some negative value out of it. If it involves a shank and you're in a prison, it's going to be a value transaction of negativity. Um, and usually, let's go with the shanking example. Um, <laughs> when you shank somebody, it creates a vacuum of value. They want to shank you back if they live through it. Um, and so... The, it's the same thing with networking. You do something good for someone, altruistically, they're gonna naturally, unless they're psychopaths, same it applies to the prison thing, they're gonna want to give, the, <laughs> I'm having a hard time keeping a straight face in that yeah. metaphor. Uh, they're gonna wanna give that back to you. I call that a vacuum of social capital, we could call it that, we're talking about, if, if there's any money in this transaction, let's get rid of the money, but what's the symbol? It's social currency, right? You do something for somebody good, the normal person naturally wants to give that back to you. Now, I'm gonna, I'll bring some Peter Stropel philosophy into it because I think it's all shared. You help enough people, you create enough social capital and social capital vacuum. I, I, like I said, I might help Steve out and he never helps me out. That doesn't matter. It's like putting nickels in the jukebox of karma and you're pulling that handle and somehow those coins fly out. Who knows where they come from? It's the, it's the accumulation of good stuff that you're putting out of the world and it comes back to you. It, and it is what you make it, but am I understanding it? I'm also I, I pulling agree. from Chris I, yeah, Brogan. I mean, I think you, you create enough positive ripples out there in the world, the ripples ripple back to you, sometimes in ways that we don't expect, right? So, you know, people are thinking, well, what is this ripple, right? Maybe you're joining us late or don't understand the concept. I mean, it's very much like, you know, envision yourself walking up to the pond, crystal clear pond, you pick up a rock, you toss it. That rock is your action, right? It hits the water, big splash, 
ripples ripple out. Well, number one, you don't know how deep that action goes. When you create a referral, when you pay somebody a compliment, when you recognize somebody that, you know, seems to be lonely and isolated in an event, you walk up and say, you know, hey, you know, I'm Steve, what's your name? There's any number of ways to create a positive ripple out there in the world, right? But sticking with your, you know, sort of value proposition, right? You have no idea how deep that action goes or how desperate I was at the time you made the referral for me or how necessary I needed to have the connection because I need to make payroll a week from Thursday. You don't know the circumstances, but you do create that a major impact. And that does often come back in ways that you can't imagine, right? That one connection could lead to multiple connections. The problem with that most people do is they're not, they're not, they don't look at it the right way. They either look at it because they are looking for that quid pro quo. They're looking for the quick payback. They're out there going, well, who has time to do what Steve says to do, right? Well, you will when you lose your job and you need to you know, <laughs> find the next one. I guarantee you. you have lots and of time. I, I will take that to the grave with you because it's true. Or, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, why am I giving? Give, give, give. And nobody else ever gives back to me. Well, you're, you're, believe it or not, you're creating a block for people. You're either not following up, you're not doing the right thing, or your, your referrals suck. And I see that a lot. I have people all the time like, oh, I just met somebody that you need to know, Steve. Okay, well, tell me, tell me about that. I mean, I appreciate the introduction, but I always reach out to the person who's, who's making this introduction. And sometimes they don't even ask permission to do it. They just do it. Hey, I was at a networking event, met this guy. And I think, you know, he's somebody you got to know. And I don't, I mean, I, I appreciate the thought, right? But at the end of the day, I'd like somebody to call me and say, hey, I met this person. Here's why I think it might be a good introduction for you. Do you mind if I make that introduction? That's one of the mistakes I think we should have covered as well. Doing that, hey, great. I appreciate it. Thank you. What's the best way for me to connect you? Would you like me to give them your information and they reach out? Would you like me to do a mutual email introduction? Would you like me to arrange a, a coffee for us all to go and I can do the handoff in person? That gives me options and it gives me the ability to sort of control it. Every one of those things creates a ripple. One, I know somebody's thoughtful out there. They're not just trying to pawn me off on somebody they don't want to talk to. This just happened to me last week. Somebody was like, oh, you know, I'm looking for this. And well, I, you know, my friend Steve doesn't exactly do that, but he knows lots of people and I bet he could help you out. And I just get this random introduction. So I, it was an introduction. So I, I went ahead with it, got on the Zoom and it was like you said, at your networking event, 25 minutes of this guy didn't even take a breath pitching <laughs> me. And I'm like, wait a sec. I think we have a misunderstanding here. What did you think the purpose of our conversation was or why, you know, so-and-so put us together? Well, because you have a huge network and, you know, I want to, I, I need to figure out how to tap that network. I'm like, buddy, you're not tapping anything on the side of the Zoom. <laughs> it's not happening. All right. And let me tell you that this is not the way to go about making a brand new introduction uh, this is not the way to kick it off. And so people make people make those kinds of errors all the time. And when it comes full circle on the referral, people have to understand there is a responsibility. <coughs> Don't waste my time with people that are going to waste more of my time. And be conscientious of what you're doing and how you do it. Because the ripple, when you make a bad introduction, it also comes back. Now, next time I'm thinking when this person says, hey, I met somebody, yeah, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those those have a way of impacting our brand, our reputation, and really how people look at us in their own networks. And so 
it's it's a huge problem. And I think people do it, they're trying to be helpful, but they're not really thinking about the consequences of it. And so those ripples ripple out and sometimes they ripple back to you in ways that you want them to, but sometimes not in ways you want them to as well. Yeah, I mean, we're getting into the nuts and bolts of like how to do it, right? It's like this is, I think, one of the keys is, and in, in this, I didn't, I never even thought about this until I, I met a bunch of you knuckleheads, uh, and who, who literally taught me this idea. But uh, it's okay to say you kind of hit on it a little bit that you have a preference in the way that you would like to be referred. Oh, that absolutely, is fair game. And I will say every time, well, here's what I prefer email the person you'd like to introduce me to. It's okay if you want to call them ahead of time, see if they're open to it. I don't care. But you don't need to qualify them on my behalf as if they're some kind of prospect. You know, if they have a need for what I do, great. But it's still, it's not for you to figure out if they have a need. I always give the criteria this. Here's what a customer looks like for me, right? Mid-cap company, B2B, blah, blah, blah. But I have this large exception for cool people, Okay. I don't care if they're a bum living in a dumpster and they're a super cool person. Introduce me, but here's how I'd like you to do it. Copy us both on the email, and then I will follow up. If you'd like me to blind copy you, I certainly will. But otherwise, I'll take it and we'll run with it, and that's really all I ask. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but because I'm trying to avoid this functional problem, I gave you a name to a guy, and he's going to call you, Steve. He's going to call you. Steve, is he ever going to call you? <laughs> Ever. He's got a million dollars. He wants to give it to you. He's going to call you. I gave him your name. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's never going to do that. Okay. Um, so it's okay to have, tell people how that, that if they feel like they want to refer you. Oh, let me add one thing. And I'm sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but be clear on what you do. I talked about Heidi Designs earlier. It occurred to me that most people have met Heidi where at the music shows that I was doing. And so over many years of that, everyone knows Heidi. Everyone loves Heidi. They don't like me that much. They like her, but they didn't really know who she is, what she does. And so you need a clear position. What do you stand for? I'll give you an example. He's going to be on the show. We're going to talk about networking with him too. Artie Byrne. I bet you know him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know Artie. He, uh, well, here's what I want to talk to him about. He has the cleanest positioning, I think, of everyone that I know. He is the alternative finance guy. Is he not? Yep. Clear, right? So got to be clear. Um, you know, it's that's easy, isn't it? This What we just talked about for the last 58 minutes, we'll wrap that up here with final thoughts. It strikes me as so easy. If your heart's just in the right place. Yeah, I, I would agree with you uh, to a certain degree, I think. Uh, but I, I, it's easy once you do it. It's hard to get it started. And we are a, uh, we're creatures of habit. We've done it so poorly and so bad for so long that we uh, find ourselves defaulting to behaviors uh, that we, we're just have grown accustomed to you know, following. And I, a very quick story. I mean, I, I, I did a corporate training for a, a very large uh, manufacturing company here in Austin. And one of the people that I was working with there through the program was just enamored with the concept and the process. I'm going to start, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go, 
about and and i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna create positive ripples i'm gonna build a better network i'm gonna do this thing and uh i ran into him about nine months after my last training and it happened to be at a business function and they were back to doing it exactly the same way so of course when they saw me right it's like deer in the headlights and they're like oh hey i know i know i know you i'm not i'm not doing it the way that i should be doing i'm like that no judgment here i'm just i'm curious and they said the problem with it was people don't know how to respond or react when i do it differently and i said okay well that's fair that's that's understanding I said, but you know, how's your results been over the course of the last nine months? I said, pathetic. I said, so does it really matter if they don't know how to respond or, or react? Make them comfortable in the conversation, get them engaged, connect with them differently. And if the people that need to be in your life show up, they'll be there. The people who aren't gonna get it and don't care and are, you know, just wanna blow you off, there's a word for them too. It's called next. <laughs> you have to practice this stuff. You yeah. have to get good. You only get good by practicing, but you become good by being the true authentic version of yourself. And I know there are people out there be like, ah, that sounds great for you, Steve, but you know, I got a quota I got to make. I got to do these other things. You're right. You do. But how's that working for you right now? How's How many people would step up to help you in a moment of need? Like you got to make that final sale. You want to do that startup. You need to find a job. My guess is that a lot of you out there will probably be like, gosh, I probably couldn't put 10 people together, let alone 20. And the goal that I have for building a network the right way, building people that really have an authentic interest in it, contributing to my life is 10 professional, 10 personal that would be there in a pinch for me, no questions asked, not asking anything in return. And from there, if that's my goal, how do I go about and try to become that for those people and then some? That's how you build your network. That's how you figure yeah. out your referral base and you learn how to build something of value for yourself. Well, awesome, man. I am so glad that we talked about this. Literally, we could talk about this for even much, much longer, uh, but we are out of time. And I wanted just to mention that uh, my big final thought uh, is it's just such a, a it was such a refreshing thing and it's it's so much easier to put the focus on somebody else and once you get in the habit of it you know i had somebody tell me at this networking event that they heard i had a humongous network right i do have a humongous network but do you have any idea how long and how much effort it has taken to build that um, and you and I have kind of followed a similar path where it's like at some point you start creating events because there's so many people, right? And then it starts exponentially growing, you know, where you're talking about 10 people, you know, let's talk about will 100 come to your event? You have a network. Um, but loved it, man. I appreciate you so much. I invite everybody to join us. Me. I appreciate it. Man, what a great episode. We, we ran long. We usually go about 40 minutes, but every bit of this was gold. So cash that in, people. And join us every Thursday, 11 o'clock Central, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. And, of course, you can find us everywhere that fine podcasts are consumed. Steve can't hear it, but I hear the music coming up. It's very funky. It's, it's my band improvising my show theme one night because we were probably wasted. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see you all next week.
You've been listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Lowell. Add to the conversation by commenting, sharing and liking. And don't forget to subscribe and check out the links in the comments. Learn more at b2bmarketingmindset.com.